You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. But how much misinformed harm could be averted just with a simple conversation first? We shouldn't jump to rumors. And then we shouldn't bury our heads in the sand either. The life-giving option lies somewhere in the middle. Welcome to episode 485. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is Relating to Those With Whom We Disagree. And our reading is from Matthew 18, 15 through 20. It states, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. If they will not listen, take one or two uh, others along so that every, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as if you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, our reading this week it's not found in in Mark's version of the Jesus story or uh, John's version of the Jesus story. It is included in in Luke's version. Um, in Luke seventeen three through four, it says, "So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. If they sin against you even seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent." you must forgive them. So I, I I find it interesting that Matthew's version goes further than Luke's version and explains uh, uh, how Jesus followers should respond to a fellow Jesus follower who doesn't listen. Luke's version, again, it only explains how they should respond to a, a fellow Jesus follower who repents, even repeated repentance. But but in Matthew, we bump into this admonition to forgive 70 times 7, um, e- e- even if need be. You can find that in Matthew 18, 20 through 21 in the context here. And, and that, ha- that admonition, forgiving people 70 times 7, that has produced a lot of abuse because that passage, it's just vulnerable. It can be interpreted in harmful ways. And we're going to explore that soon. But, but this week's lectionary reading, though, it focuses on, on the preceding verses there in Matthew 18, 20 through, uh, before Matthew 18, 20 through 21. Yeah, this week's reading is verses 15 through 20. This is a passage, remember, it was written when the Jesus community was grappling with how to respond to fellow Jesus community members who were making choices the community felt were out of harmony with the the teaching they attributed to to Jesus. We also get a taste of the Jewishness of the Matthean Jesus community here. I mean, it's, it's citing 
precedent from the Hebrew scriptures in Deuteronomy 19.15. It says, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And in this text from Deuteronomy, it would have spoken to the Matthean Jewish Jesus followers there in Galilee. And another interesting note this week is how this passage, it reflects uh, more of the social bias against pagans and tax collectors in the larger Galilean society than the rest of the Jesus story does, even Matthew's version. Um, And this uh, apparently negative admonition, it seems to, to, I think, contrast starkly with the way Jesus actually treated pagans and tax collectors in Matthew's version of the story. And think of the following examples. Here are just a few. It's uh, Jesus in, in Matthew welcomes tax collectors, practices a shared table fellowship with tax collectors. Uh, it says in Matthew 9, uh, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked this disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call the righteous, or sorry, not the righteous, but the sinners. And that's Matthew 9, 10 through 13. And further, one of Jesus' own disciples, Matthew, was a tax collector. You find that in Matthew 10, verse 3. Jesus was also labeled a friend. Of, of tax collectors. And in Matthew, in Matthew 11, 19, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, he is, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And Jesus even affirmed tax collectors who were entering his vision of a just human society, the, what he called the kingdom, uh, over people who refused the vision due to um, their their refusal being due to the 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 losses that they would the economic losses that they would suffer uh, if they joined Jesus kingdom in Matthew 21:31 it says Jesus said truly I tell you the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you and and although Zacchaeus it's a great example. It's found in Luke, not Matthew. It's still a great representative of of the way that tax collectors um, were were characterized who who were choosing to follow Jesus. In Luke nineteen one through ten, it says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save 
the lost. And again, that's Luke 19, 1 through 10. So this leaves us with some some, uh, interpretive options. It's quite possible that the early Jesus community created the procedure in our reading this week as the need arose. It's also possible, although it's less probable, that this procedure did originate with the historic Jesus himself. And in this case, this passage uh, teaches us to relate to fellow Jesus followers refusing to listen, as Jesus did with the tax collectors, as, as, as those who, who should need to be one again, and as worth extending table fellowship with, and an invitation uh, to them to, to follow Jesus again. And I find this interpretation, honestly, a little less compelling, given how tax collectors and pagans were treated at the time that Matthew's gospel was written. But regardless of where our, our reading this week originated, I do appreciate the nugget of wisdom within the procedure itself. When a fellow member of your religious or even non-religious community, just someone within your community, a specific community, is engaging in harmful behavior, go to the person and talk to them about it. So many misunderstandings, I think, can be solved through just a, a basic conversation. The next step in the procedure, the taking one or two along, uh, two others along with you, that sounds a lot, to me, it sounds a lot like an intervention. And thus the issue, it has to be important enough, whatever the disagreement is, it has to be important enough to justify bringing others into that conversation. And when I consider real life examples where the person being spoken to doesn't respond in ways their friends or their community members want them to what always follows is a schism in the relationship with the person bringing the concern or or the community bringing the concern now on the outs with the person to whom the concern was brought and i've been on both sides of this procedure i've been among friends who in love uh for for another friend we staged an intervention that actually saved their life today our friend is in a much better place than they would have been had they continued down their original path of self-destruction but i've also been on the receiving end of, of this where many times folks have attempted to intervene with me when I and Renewed Heart Ministries, um, I think back to when we first began affirming and welcoming those who are part of the LGBTQ community. Eventually, um, I and those who, who came to me concerned about who I was affirming and including in a, in a gospel of love, eventually they and I parted ways. Looking back now, um, as the adage goes, I, I would still rather be excluded over whom I include than included for whom I exclude. And just a few weeks ago, even, I answered a call from a concerned white Christian who thought I, I speak out too much about racial justice. And our conversation, it didn't change their mind, and, and I'm not about to change either in the face of especially all the racially based harm that's still happening today in our society. So this was another moment where the person who called and I decided to simply part ways. And in these cases, I guess I'd have to say, um, 
I am now treated as as a tax collector or a pagan. Their their relationship to me it resembles much more the biases against pagans and tax collectors in the first century when Matthew is written than it does the Jesus of the Gospels and how he related to tax collectors and and pagans. And I would I would love it if they treated me the way Jesus treated tax collectors. But but that's not been my experience. So what is a life-giving way to relate to those with whom we have significant differences? And, and we have to ask, are all differences the same? Are some differences of such intrinsic significance that in the wake of disagreement, we must end relationships? Disagreement about a, a person's worth or, or their right to existence, those are much different disagreements than maybe other conflicts. But are we sure at the same time that what we're disagreeing about is at that level? Are, are we too quick to, to sever relationships over the slightest differences? It's, again, we have to weigh both the values over which we're disagreeing and the value of the relationship that may be lost here and, and come to a life-giving, the most life-giving decision um, in the situation. And, and, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, do we turn a blind eye to things that are harmful because we are conflict-averse? We're afraid of rocking the boat. I appreciate that in this week's reading, this week's lectionary reading, Jesus followers are, are they're not encouraged to avoid conflict. They're encouraged to lean into it and, and to begin that process with a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, and I wish many stories that have, have, as I look back at my own experience, stories that have circulated about me over the years, I wish those would have begun first with a simple conversation. Conversations, they don't solve everything, but sometimes the conflict is, is, is a misunderstanding. Sometimes the conflict is unavoidable. I get that. But how much misinformed harm could be averted just with a simple conversation first? We shouldn't jump to rumors, and then we shouldn't bury our heads in the sand either. The life-giving option lies somewhere in the middle, somewhere between those two, beginning with a, a direct discussion. And, and that's the first step. Which steps come next? Next, th those can't be always predicted. But whatever those steps are, um, uh, my hope is that we take each one of those steps thoughtfully with life-giving intent for everyone involved taken into account. And, and, and the rest of our reading this week, it refers to binding and loosing. I want to refer you to uh, the, the conversation Todd Leonard and I had on, on this passage when it was in John's version of the gospel. Uh, earlier this year on YouTube. I'll put a link to that in this week's eSight. And, and lastly, for this week, there's that promise of where two or more are agreed in our reading here. The, and it, it, it repurposes Jewish rabbinic wisdom that was contemporary at the time that this passage was written. The wisdom, the Jewish wisdom stated that where two or more studied the Torah, God was present in their midst. But the life-giving grappling for me this week, it revolves around that first portion of this week's reading, what is a life-giving procedure 
for, for relating to those in our communities with whom we have concerns and disagreements. Concerns and disagreements, those are always going to happen. Human beings are, are messy, and, and, and we all get to choose how we navigate those concerns and disagreements, either in a life-giving or a death-dealing way. Heart Group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does the counsel in this week's reading inform your relationship with others with whom you, you may disagree? Share and discuss that with your group. And then number three, as always, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platform for our daily post. And if you also enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a moment this week and leave us a positive review on whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening to it on. This helps others find our podcast as well. And also, I want to remind us that we are partnering partnering with uh, Todd Leonard in our weekly YouTube show this year entitled Just Talking. Each week we'll be covering the upcoming lectionary reading from the Gospels for the for the next weekend, and we'll be talking about that Gospel reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that our talking will be just, as in justice, but that also something will be said during that time that will, that will inspire you alongside with us to do more than just talking and you can uh, uh, find that uh, show at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd just talking if you teach from the lectionary each week or if you're just looking for uh, some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice uh, check it out you might like it please once you're there like subscribe hit the notification button leave us a comment if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email. You can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are this week, remember, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.